everybody. We welcome you into the Retirement Plan Playbook. I think we have a great show for you today. Today, we're going to be talking about what is an estate plan. It's a question that so many people have. But before we get started, the group is all here. Brent, Matthew, Joshua, we're all with you today. Matt, you got some big news for us today. You want to let us fill us in? Yeah. So at the beginning of the month, um, end of August, uh, I had a, a baby or my wife had a baby. So I'm a, I'm a new dad now, which is very, very exciting. And, uh, you know, I'm very much in, in love with my daughter and very happy that, you know, everything went smoothly and that, you know, my wife handled the labor really well. So very excited. You feel like a, a new person over the last month now? Yeah, I'm very relaxed now. I was pretty intense leading up to it, like pretty stressed out. And, you know, I don't know if it's like the process or the, the fear of what could go wrong, but, you know, it's just, it's really peaceful now. That's great. We congratulate you and we're excited for you. And I know you're excited to have a little one. Yeah. I'm excited uh, for you, Matt. Congratulations to you and your wife. I know uh, you've been looking forward to this and, and glad to hear everything went well. You do seem a little bit more relaxed, um, which is nice, you know, with working with you. So. Uh, thanks to your baby. Um, I like the new Matt. Thanks. Yeah, there's just, you know, everything that I thought was important before her birth is now a lot less important. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah. And after going through two labors with my wife, I know the stress that comes with leading up to it and the anxiety. And, you know, it's just such a big relief when you get a healthy baby. You know, that's, it's, it's a true blessing. It really is. Yeah, and a, and a healthy wife too, you know, and she absolutely comes out from a, you know, good and able. Yeah, it's just not a very simple process. It's a, it's a process that, you know, there's a lot to it. So, all right, well, let's get into the headlines. Uh, what is Nicola and who is Trevor Milton? We want to talk about, you know, this has been a big story over the last couple of weeks. Um, Nicola is a, a manufacturing startup company who manufactures electronic components driver trains, vehicles, electric semi-trucks. But the company really has had zero revenue to this point. All the money has come from investors. And it actually went public this year. But some big news dropped last week when the founder, Trevor Milton, was actually arrested. Matthew, why don't you start and tell us a little bit more? Yeah, was he actually arrested? I don't think he was. Um, I I don't know if he was either. Yeah, I don't think he was arrested. Um, like, there was all the headlines of he was arrested. I think he formally he was just being he's being investigated. He has Invest- a formal investigation against him right gotcha. now. Yeah, it's like one of those things I think where they come and like pick they picked him up, but they didn't actually put the cuffs on. <laughs> you know, like uh, like on a Law and Order SVU or something <laughs> like that. They put him in a nice nice car. You know, chauffeured him yeah. down somewhere. You know, super interesting story. Uh, to give you everyone an idea, they're trying to be the Tesla of semi trucks. Only problem is they haven't created anything yet. Um, so their whole goal is to make semi trucks powered by batteries and hydrogen fuel cells. And they created a prototype of a truck and did a, a big Tesla Apple like unveiling, um, except, you know, the truck doesn't work. Um, they got a bunch of big investors behind them, um, General Motors, and then uh, a couple other large corporations, as, as well as large venture capitalists. And then a short selling firm, um, short sellers do a bunch of research and they bet against companies, came out with a research report and called the, comp- the company a fraud, uh, which, which seems to be pretty true when you do some digging. 
And their main argument was basically like, hey, they led, they, they've misled everybody about their technology. There's nothing really there. They have no real deals with any companies. And then there's even some video online where I guess they tried to show the truck working, but all they did was push it downhill. Yeah, it couldn't <laughs> propel itself forward. <laughs> they said the new trucks now, I think that video is from like 2018 though, right? Isn't that the, what the report said? So they said they have, yeah, they have that, trucks. They have trucks now that actually can propel themselves forward. That, that's what they're claiming. But I mean, again, like, how, can you really trust these guys? It sounds like uh, <laughs> Theranos all over again. I guess what he was in trouble for, right, was he took out $70 million out of the company before the company even had any money. Oh, so he took the investor's money? Yeah, before, like, they've even even generated they any money. They've made a dollar. <laughs> yeah, he, he's already taken millions of dollars of investor's money out. And I also read, I mean, he stepped down, but there's clauses in there that he's still going to get paid as a consultant for, like, two years from stepping down. This guy just sounds like he's he got it all under control for himself. <laughs> It it does very much sound like Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes to me. Um, I don't know if it's on that level, but it smells like Theranos. Would you agree? I agree. And the main thing for you know all of our listeners that I want uh, want to get through because you mentioned is a publicly traded company. You could go buy their stock. They have a great sounding story. Is be careful. Never put more than five percent of your net worth in any individual stock because you never know what could happen. You know, I think there was probably a red flag from the beginning because I don't know if this is, if you know this, but I think Tesla's name was Nikola Tesla when they started. And then this guy came in and named his name after Tesla. It's like us naming our company like Apple Wealth Management. You know, like you just don't take someone else's rights to their name. Right. It's all just interesting. And that stock price, it's crazy, was like almost $80 a share. And I read one article, like they got close to like the valuation of Ford, but they haven't produced a working vehicle yet, which is just wild. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, if, and then the other thing too, if making a battery powered semi truck was possible, don't you think Elon Musk would be doing it right now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's been working on it. Yeah. You know, the Elizabeth Holmes story was a great podcast. If someone has time to go back, if you want a great podcast to listen to, I think it was like four or six episodes, something like that. I listened to a while back. It's very interesting. Now, I'm assuming this is going to be the next big show that they're going to be able to release on podcast. I would like to see how this one actually ends. There's a, there's a book, too, and a HBO documentary. Mm-hmm. So you basically get your choice of medium on the, the Theranos story. Yeah. All right. So uh, the second headline, Apple event, uh, it's really the – world's most valuable publicly traded company now and it's completely just blown up the other day they had the apple event tech giant unveils the new apple watch the series 6 new ipad new fitness service tell us a little bit more about the unveiling josh yeah every every year i think me and matt it's kind of like a a little hour holiday work break to watch this apple event we're just very always interested in it and rightfully so because it's just such a big position um you know, within the U.S. stock market. But the unveiling, um, looking forward to seeing if there was a new phone or not. There wasn't. And typically in the Apple events in the fall or, you know, late summer, fall, have a new phone. But they did release uh, the new Apple Watch, which was very focused on health, um, which we kind of, you know, expected, um, which is really cool. New iPad. One thing that I was really interested in is they're launching their own fitness subscription. 
So they're going to release videos for fitness, uh, just like Peloton does with their bikes. So that was really interesting too. And, you know, always just excited to see what, what new products Apple is, is coming out with. So, um, what, what, uh, what new stuff most interests you guys? Well, I, I'll just go through the list of everything. Uh, one, I really wanted a new phone, uh, so I was a little disappointed there. I haven't upgraded my phone in two years. You know when your phone kind of starts to not work as good and feels a little slow and clunky? Like the battery starts to last not as long throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely a little slower. Uh, I'm at that point. Uh, I, I'm the kind of person who definitely needs a new phone every two years. I know there's people who would go, you know, five years with the same phone. That's that's not me. I, I noticed the performance pretty quick. I just bought a new watch, so I'm not really interested in that. Uh, though it is becoming a health device on your wrist, which is really cool. Hopefully, they could keep saving people's lives. Um, I'm really interested in the iPad Air as a new dad. I think that looks like a good device for my wife and I to be able to compute while you know tending to our our child. Fitness Plus is cool, but I just bought a Peloton, so I'm probably going to stick in that ecosystem. You know, the one thing I don't get about Apple, and this is just an aside, why don't they just buy Peloton or just buy a fitness startup? It makes a lot of sense. Uh, Like Amazon just partnered with a fitness startup for uh, bikes the other day, too. Or why don't they go that way? They always try and build their own product, which, you know, is smart. I know it's part of their strategy. But it's, I don't know, it's going to be hard to, to launch that fitness service because a lot of these online-based fitness classes is how good the instructors are. Yeah, Do you really seems, think it seems like they're trying to get their hand in so many things. But I think it goes well with like their products. I mean, you have yeah. so many users that are have so much brand loyalty to Apple and they're going out and finding workout, you know, other videos and subscriptions to subscribe to. But their devices are what's powering the health data so to me it makes a lot of sense of you know why don't we just launch our own i do agree though because they don't have any you know workout machines or you know bikes or nothing like that yet it would be nice if it all integrated that way but um i definitely see that there's opportunity for them and and i'm definitely interested in trying out their their fitness plus subscription the one cool thing i'll say about fitness plus is it did look like they had like cycling classes and rowing classes and that, so that would mean you actually don't need a Peloton or one of those fancy hydro roll, rowers that people buy. Um, you could just you could buy one with less technology and then just do their class in front of your TV. So that that is that's a cool feature. And what if the future is then you just have a bike that has a iPad add-on, and now you have Fitness Plus riding your bike in front of your bike, and you can buy any bike. That's probably what they're hoping for is their long-term way to potentially beat Peloton. But it's just like with Netflix. I mean, Peloton has a whole community or ecosystem created out of it already. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to be tough to topple them. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you haven't listened to one of the Apple events, I'd highly recommend it because when they put on these events, it has become such a show. It's so interesting to see all the things that they're releasing, how they release them, how they make them. It's such an interesting few hours if you have time to, to watch one of them. Absolutely. All right, let's get into retirement planning corner. Uh, today, we're going to talk about estate planning, and, and we'll talk about a little bit the difference between what is an estate plan and what is a living trust, and then what are some of the items uh, within an estate plan, and what are some important tips as you consider doing an estate plan, or if you already have one, what should you be thinking about with your existing trust? 
the estate plan is the really the process of anticipating and arranging the management and disbursement of your assets or your estate in the event that something happens to you, you become incapacitated, you pass away. Those assets would then eventually avoid probate. Josh, tell us a little bit about what the is in the estate planning process. Um, so with the estate planning process, what we're really doing is is putting together, you know, like you said, arranging, anticipating during someone's life for the management and disposal of that person's estate. So in the event someone that becomes incapacitated or dies, all of your wishes are then already accounted for. So meaning if you have assets, if you have uh, personal property, we're actually taking care of all of those choices before someone dies. So your wishes are actually met. And that estate planning process puts all of that together. So just to kind of go into some of the items, just going to dive right into it. You know, a living trust is a part of that estate planning process, a will, a power of attorney. I know we'll get to, you know, these in a little bit more depth in, in a minute, but just to give you an example of some of the items that go inside of an estate plan through that process to making sure that all of your assets are managed appropriately, not only while you're alive, but then also after we have passed or become incapacitated and they can transition to the next generation smoothly after after death. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit more about what is an actual living trust. So Matt, what is and does the living trust do for someone? Well, if you think of estate planning as kind of like the process of organizing it and getting it all together, is it fair to say that the living trust is kind of like your briefcase or your binder where you, you know, put all your documents actually inside of it? Yes. So it's the, the legal way to manage your assets and estate while you're alive, and then it ensures that it transitions smoothly within your wishes after you die. Yeah. And the way I think of it too is like an estate plan is almost like you planning a vacation. You get all of your plans together. You take out all your clothes. You put your clothes in the bed. You get ready to pack. You know your destination. You know where you're going. You know all the things that you have. And the living trust is kind of like the suitcase where you're going to put all of your stuff in the suitcase. And then that suitcase is closed. But when you pass away or become incapacitated, everything in that suitcase gets passed out to all of the people that you want it to go to once you pass away. And then you're, you know exactly who's going to pass those things out to each person when you pass away. So it's really getting that legal document, that trust in place, who's going to describe exactly how you want things to be passed out. So that's kind of the difference. The, the state plan is the process. The trust is one of those legal documents that's going to help you get it from point A to point B. So what are some of the items within the estate plan, Josh? A will, like I just had mentioned, is another item within uh, the estate plan. And what the will will do is any, any property that's giving direction of who will inherit that property. So, you know, and the difference really between a living trust and a will is a will can actually be written in the sand. It can be written on a napkin and, you know, you can give the instruction of what property you want um, and for who to be inherited to. A living trust, uh, but it won't avoid probate. That's one of the biggest differences between a living trust and a will is that the living trust will actually help that property avoid probate, and which in California is an issue for clients if you have you know, assets over 150000 So a will is another portion of that estate plan that's separate from the living trust that will be a part of you know, your estate process. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's kind of misunderstood, like just to the general public, is like people think like, oh, I just need a will in order to avoid 
probate. And probate is the process of which if you don't have a trust, you, you know, the court decides how your assets are distributed. But you actually need a living trust because a trust creates a separate name and entity for all of your assets where a will doesn't do it. It's just your wishes basically on paper, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And Matt, what are some of the other items within the estate plan? Tell us a little bit more about those. Uh, one, another item that you know, you're going to encounter is going to be your power of attorney. And what that does is it essentially gives a person the power to make decisions for you um, if you become incapacitated. After that, you're going to look at into, into your healthcare directives. And very similarly, a, a healthcare directive will outline the, dis, the treatment decisions um, that you wish if you can't make them yourself. So right, you're in the hospital, you're incapacitated. It's essentially, you know, do you pull the plug? Do you do this? Do you do that? Yeah, one of the most, um, one of the other items within the estate plan, I think it's probably one of the most critical to people who have young kids, young families, is assigning legal guardianship if something were to happen to the parents. So if something happened to my wife and I, in our estate plan, in our trust, we have it assigned that our kids would go to person A if something were to happen to us. And then if something happened to that person also, then they would have guardianship, which would go to person B. It's so critical because if, you know, these things can happen, if they does happen and you leave your children behind, there's no legal document that says where your children's going to go unless you have some legal guardianship paper. You need an estate plan anyway. You might as well get the guardianship done while you do the estate plan. It's all in your legal document as well. Yeah, as a new parent, that's something that you know I need to do within the next month, definitely. Yeah, I think when my son was born, my wife and I had made the adjustments. I think my son was born in April. By November, our trust was all completed and done. And I still felt like in that time period, I was at risk. So if you're out there, you do have young children. I mean, this is a good reason to not only just do your trust, but you want to make sure your kids go where you want them to go. So that's another reason why. Um, let's talk about other reasons why it's important to do and complete a living trust. Josh, why don't you tell us about one of the most important reasons also? Yeah, we talked already a little bit about probate. And the problem with probate is, you know, it's expensive. So it's going to the court. California has a very expensive probate court. And so you're going to pay a lot of money in uh, fees and court charges. There's also challenges when you go through the court. Um, So avoiding probate is, is reason number one. And, you know, combination with that is to to save yourself and your family and whoever's inheriting your assets money and to avoid all of the challenges that probate comes with. Um, you know, probate can last, you know, anywhere from six months to, to years um, just to get the assets distributed. So to avoid all of those challenges, to save yourself a lot of money and probate costs for, you know, all of the, the net worth you've accumulated for your heirs and avoid probate. Those are some pretty, pretty good reasons to establish that estate plan. Yeah, tell us a little bit about what probate is? Oh, Brent, that's a great question. Um, so what, and I'm not fully prepared for it, but in probate, I believe if your state's over, is it like 120 grand in California? 150. 150. Um, so basically anyone who owns a, you know, a piece of property and they don't have a trust, their state's going to go to probate. And, and I guess for like to even make it more simple, like probate's the court system that your stuff goes to and allows the court to decide who it's supposed to go to, you know, if you don't tell your stuff where it's supposed to go. And then there's, there's a standardized fee schedule, I believe that your heirs automatically get lost out on. And I believe it's a graded commission scale. 
So I think 150 grand is like 10 percent of your estate goes to California. Yeah. No. It's, I, I want to think it starts at four. Yeah. Is, is it four? Oh, yeah, about four. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a gradual scale that goes all the way up, and I think it's it, but it's thousands of dollars. And if you know you have assets that aren't assigned to your trust, and something happens to you. You know, you're, it's going to cost your family thousands of dollars to get your assets to where it needs to be. And one of the other challenges I think that people have with probate is it's one of the most slow processes in the court system because it's the, one of the least important. The court's not necessarily worried about how fast your family is going to get your money. The court's more worried about taking care of a lot of more important issues. And this isn't one that they consider important. I have heard of, uh, probate time for just a, a small family or simple estate taking anywhere from two to four years. And that's, that's a tremendous time to wait, especially if you had small children, you know, what are they living off of if you don't have a trust? Yeah. And I, I looked up the numbers. So it does start at 4% for the first hundred thousand, say a hundred thousand for four grand. Then you're looking at, you know, let's say $600,000 estate or house valued at 900,000. Let me give you this example. Your fees estimated to be about $20,000. So I mean, that's a significant amount of money that can be avoided by establishing an estate plan. When you can get a trust done for what, you know, twelve, fifteen hundred dollars $1,500, yep. maybe even less if you go the online route. Yep. Yeah. And then here's the other challenges. I mean, let's say you have a mortgage on your house. The mortgage isn't getting paid because it's in probate. Those costs are adding up. There's you know, there's a, a big challenge with the time that it takes and not only just the time, but the amount of money you're, you're tacking on to all of it. Um, what are some other reasons why, Matt, that a person should do a trust? Uh, well, we covered, you know, you're going to save money and time by not going to court. Um, it's going to give you that protection in case you become incapacitated. It determines who takes over your affairs and who gets what. I mean, a lot of people have kind of complex um, right beneficiary rules right you know they want to give a, you know a and b to this these grandkids they want to give c and d to their kids they want to give e and f to charity well the, the trust can can do all that for you um, like you said brent's going to set up guardianship and then lastly and this could be really really important for some people is it's going to provide privacy one thing we didn't mention is i believe probate um, is becomes a public affair Right. And you could you could pull it up and read about it online. Yeah, and I think the last thing that I would want is you know somebody, some long lost cousin coming after my estate, saying you know this person borrowed money from me and now they owe it, and they know that your estate's through probate because it's public, you know, and they can try and come after some of that money. Uh, I think there's a lot of reasons why to do an estate plan, but you know keeping it private, keeping your money in your family, and making sure it goes to the person that you want it to go to seems so important. Yeah. And I think that, that what stands out to me too is the incapacity. You know, if you know you become sick, you definitely want to make sure there's someone already in line that you've chosen to take care of your affairs. I mean, I think that happens a lot more unexpectedly than we think of, you know, I need someone to take care of my affairs because I'm sick. I can't make those decisions on my own. You probably want to pick that person um, to be taking care of your affairs. And then also, you know, if you want more detailed structure for how your beneficiaries are inheriting the money, right? And the state plan can actually have provisions on how 
the people who are inheriting the money can spend, how often, how much they can get, you know, every year out of the inheritance. So if you want more specific rules about how your beneficiaries inherit the money, the estate plan can also solve for that. Yeah. And I think that is so important because there's a lot of people that want their assets to be passed out in, in a very specific way. And it's not, there's a lot of people that don't. And it's not right or wrong to say that one way fits for everybody. But just to make sure that your estate gets distributed the way it's supposed to in the way that you've built it, I think is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go into some estate plan tips. What are some tips, Matt, that you have for estate planning? The first thing after you know you create your actual estate plan, you get your living trust done, is you don't want to just throw it away and never look at it again. And I think that's what a lot of people people do. Um, first, the laws change. I believe estate planning laws change, you know, every couple of years with, you know, who's in Congress and who the president is. So you're always going to want to get your estate plan probably reviewed at least at minimum every five years. And then your assets are also always changing, right? You're buying a new house. Um, maybe you make some new investments, start a new business. You're going to want to make sure that all your new assets and properties are listed out in the trust. So you need to update it after you create it. Yeah, I completely agree. Josh, what are some other things that are important in, you know, in, in some of these tips? Yeah, absolutely. So even if you have these documents created for any of the listeners out there or you're, you're planning on, you definitely want to have multiple copies of the document saved. Obviously, there's going to be many parties involved besides maybe you, a spouse, children, anyone that's taking care of um, the trust and centralizing the documents as well. I'm making sure also that the people who are in charge of taking care of your affairs, actually know what their roles are. I think that's really important through this time. Uh, Brent, I'm sure you can have a story about this as well, but you know, people we just cross with family, friends, clients that haven't even let their beneficiaries or their trustees or their powers of attorney know that that's their role. So you know, letting them know, letting them know where to find the documents and centralizing them, it's just gonna make the process even that much easier. Yeah, and wh- why is it important that the person who's the power of attorney for your health care or you know the person in charge of your health decisions has a copy of your legal health care directive well, they're going to need that copy so you know that document is very crucial to that whole process you don't want someone in the moment of you know tragedy or just an, an accident to be having to search and look around for that document, and especially if there's a medical decision that needs to be made very quickly, you want to have really quick access to that documents for someone to be able to make those decisions for you. Yeah, let's use that as an example. Like, let's say you went into the hospital because you got COVID and you had to get on a ventilator, and you've already done your healthcare directive, your trust is done, but you didn't even tell the person that was in charge of your healthcare decisions that you've had this directive done, and that you know it's sitting in on your bookshelf. And, you know, then the doctors are spinning their wheels on what decisions to make. They don't know who's necessarily in charge needs to be notified. And, you know, that person who you've nominated to, to be in charge of that needs to have a copy of that so they can help make healthcare decisions with the doctors. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think an example, it's very timely. Yeah, I think it's very timely right now. I mean, our recommendation to all of our clients over the last four or five months was just make sure you have a virtual copy of your healthcare directive that the person in charge of making healthcare decisions has a copy of it, pass those copies along. But that's just one, I think, of the many reasons why estate plans are so critical. So especially in today's day and era, people have their, their legal documents put in place and they, they have a estate plan. 
Who are the people who should have a trust, Matt? I think that's a question that kind of gets lost in this because I think we've talked a little bit about a lot of young families. We haven't talked as much. I feel like uh, as older families, is it older, younger? Where does this all fit in? My rule of thumb is uh, anyone who owns uh, property, has a kid, owns a business, and you live in the state of California, you need to get a trust done. It, it's pretty simple. You have kids, do it. You own property, do it. You own a business, you have significant assets, do it. It's a, it's a small upfront fee to pay to a lawyer to get the protection you need. I think what's also really important too is, you know, one thing I've heard or a rejection from getting in trust is, you know, I don't even know who I want to inherit the money. Well, even if you're just charitable, right, or, or you don't know, you still want your wishes to be met in some capacity. And, and a lot of times creating an estate plan can help bring some clarity um, to the future as well, because we'll finally be looking at, you know, who you want to take care of these things, who you want to inherit money. It doesn't even have to be an individual. It can be a charity or a foundation or an organization you're a part of. So making sure that those wishes are met is going to come out with this. And I agree with you, Matt. You know, like you said, everybody, you know, probably if you're thinking about getting one, you need one. Yeah, I would completely agree. I think for a lot of people too, the process is hard for them to think about. I think that's one of the things I've heard so much over my career is people just don't want to think about it. And it's kind of a funny story when Josh and I started working together and Josh joined the firm, uh, we would be talking about these things in conversations with clients. And I remember in the beginning, Josh was like, Brent, like, how do you talk about like people dying? And it's just like so natural. Or it's like, you just have these conversations. It was slightly uncomfortable, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a reality of life. And we need these documents put into place to make sure that you know, if something does happen, that one-off chance, that doesn't mean something's going to happen. But if that one-off chance that something does happen, then you know, your estate, your kids, your family, everybody's protected the way it should. And your stuff remains private. It's able to be passed out the way that you want it to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember that that day, like it was yesterday. I was, I was looking at you, Brent, like, you just talk about this a little too easy. I got, I got to get there. <laughs> it doesn't come off the tongue as easy. <laughs> but uh, through experience, I, then I just, you know, as, as you're in, working in the industry even more, I think it's just you realize how important it is, you know, to have these difficult conversations and how it's going to just help, you know, a family or a situation even more by having these difficult conversations. So definitely worth it to, to get through the, the tough meeting. <laughs> Yeah. And I think all of our clients have become like family to all of us. And the last thing that you want is to see their family struggle if by you, them not having a trust and then, you know, their kids looking at you saying, why didn't, why didn't they do a trust? You know, that's, you don't want their family to struggle if something would, were to happen and they're already going through a lot if they lost a parent. Right. Right. Lastly, just the last thing that I will kind of want to touch on on the trust is what is the process of getting the trust? What, what do people have to do? Who do they reach out to? Like, Kind of what's the overall like easiest way to get a trust? Um, I'm a little, I want to just start. I'm a little biased. Start with your financial planner, but go ahead, Matt. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'd say, <laughs> you know, tr- start with your trusted circle of advisors. Um, a- ask your financial planner, ask your, your CPA. The one thing I'll say is that a lawyer creates a trust. So your financial advisor and your CPA aren't going to create the trust for you. They might help you get organized before you go on to create your trust. And if they're trying to create your trust, um, something might be a little fishy, so you might want to run for the hills. But in general, you do it with a lawyer. Now, there's a couple ways you could do that. You could use an actual human being, 
or you can go online through a legal zoom. Um, Josh, what's the one that the, the new one that's online called that betterment works with? Uh, vanilla, uh, vanilla. I think it's like vanilla trust. Yeah. Take a look. So there's some new online services popping up that are kind of, I would call them robo trust companies. Kind of yeah. Like robo yeah, advisors, yeah. <laughs> but for creating trust. Yeah, just that, vanilla. It's just vanilla better estate planning. I'm kind of excited for this. I know it's new, but like the robo style for someone who doesn't need a, a trust that's as complex, embracing technology and, and making it a little easier and a little cheaper through technology. So I'm kind of excited about the just vanilla. Maybe we'll have an update in a couple of shows after we you know, have some time to look into it more. Yeah, and I, and I don't want the complexity word messing with the thought of people, whether you need a trust or not, you know, if you have 150,000 and you have children and you want your state to go to somebody like you need to have a trust. When we talk about complexity, sometimes we talk about complexity, meaning we want our distributions to go a specific way. We want to detail them out. Those aren't always necessarily complex. You're just being very detailed in the way that you're planning, but whether you have a little bit or a lot, doesn't really matter. Trust is going to get you from point A to point B and, and you need that to get from point A to point B. One thing I think, Matt, you touched on too, I think is really important. You kind of hinted about it is if somebody, when you do your estate plan and somebody is trying to sell you something at the end of doing your estate plan, you might want to run in the other direction. Chances are, you know, they're, they're trying to get commissions off of selling you an estate plan. That's probably a very bad idea. I'd be very weary of those types of people. Not only that, but they're actually illegal. So um, just be mindful of that, that the estate plan that you're getting isn't connected with somebody else getting something from you doing a, a cheap estate plan. Cheaper in estate planning is not always better. I'll tell you that for sure, because there's a lot of things that become missing from those documents, a lot, a lot of sections, a lot of things that you want to make sure that the funding is correct, that the documents are all in order, that things are all correct. So you want to make sure that the estate plan is actually done by somebody that's either an attorney or one of these very thorough processes. Those are some good tips. Uh, any final thoughts on estate planning? Um, I have one more tip. I always tell my clients, um, you know, it's, it's usually not listed in, in your the standard living trust templates that lawyers use, but put your advisor's card with your binder, put your CPA's card, put anybody's card who helps you make, you know, these financial um, decisions, put your business partner's information, that way, uh, if something does happen to you unexpected, your kids, your heirs, they know the trusted advisors to call. Great point. Absolutely. I, have, I have one more. Just make sure if we're starting this whole conversation, go right now and, and make sure you have beneficiaries listed on all of your accounts, life insurance, all of that stuff. I mean, it's so important. And a lot of times it does go overlooked or we don't check it or review it. So, you know, your bank accounts, your investment accounts, retirement accounts, life insurance, make sure we're going back and, and making sure that we have uh, beneficiaries listed on all of them um, just as a, you know, homework recommendation to do list. Yeah. And I think that's a good point of the difference between doing the estate planning process and a living trust. The, the estate planning process is, you know, signing beneficiaries accounts that should not be in the trust. The trust is the legal document that's going to pass assets that need to get passed to the beneficiaries. So um, it, they're two different processes, but I think that's such a great point. Um, let's get to the last part of the show. RPA recommends. Matthew, you have anything for us today? You know, Brad, I don't have it. Did I do Apple TV plus last time? I think I did. I think you did. Yeah, I still really like it. Uh, like I said, I just purchased a Peloton. So hopefully, um, you know, I have, a, it's not coming until October. 
Uh, so I got about a month to wait, but um, I'll have a full Peloton review coming. So I feel like that's <laughs> going to be on on recommends coming up. Are you giving the recommended recommendation for the process of buying a Peloton? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I could. <laughs> it's kind of like buying a Tesla, right? Like there's just no, it's just you add your features and it's the well, output and you get what you want. Exactly. And I tried to use Honey. To, to see if there's a discount code, but none of the discount codes they had worked. So there's another honey failure. I know um, that they have like a referral discount. Did you use that? Do you have a couple of friends at Pelotons? No, I, d- I didn't use that. I didn't know, which is Uh-oh. completely my fault. So maybe I could reach out and see if, if they'll give me a referral discount since I just ordered it. Other than that, man, I've just been, I haven't really bought anything new. We've just been sitting with the baby for the last month. Yeah, so that, I mean, I thought you were going to come up with a, a, a daddy gift, but you know, the Peloton is like a dad gift, you know? You got to work out and be healthy for your baby. It, it is. I got to get the dad bought off. Yeah. Yeah. So at least the bike comes, that'd be cool. We'll like to hear about your experience on using Peloton and your reviews of it. Hopefully, you're a little easier on Peloton than you were on Honey. And my mom even used Honey, and she listens to the show, and she's like, this product is garbage. Oh, I'm sure your mom said that. <laughs> oh, jeez. I feel like we're wishy- you're so wishy-washy on Honey because you gave it a great review last time and the two times before that wasn't good. So you're all over the place with Honey. Josh, what do you have for us? Has any one of us like done Yeti products at all? I don't know I don't, if we have. I don't think so. Because I know we all use Yeti products, but like I'm, I'm sitting here with like my Yeti coffee mug, my Yeti water jug and i i really like them like i I really have no complaints about my yeti products and um, they're great so if you haven't looked into them they're a little pricey but um they're the top of the line you know products out there for anything that you're drinking out of ice chest all of that stuff so uh, i guess that's my recommend recommends as I'm, i'm looking at my two yeti products i have here on my desk and uh really happy with the yeti products if we did, it probably we probably did Yetis in the, like one of the first few shows. I don't even know if anybody listened to the first couple of shows. Dude, I, <laughs> I think, Brent, you did the lunch pail. Yeah, the lunch uh, pail, the okay. coffee cup for keeping the coffee warm. I don't but, like, know, but it was early on. Me and my wife even used the Yeti wine wine cups. Mm-hmm. So like those are awesome, too. Like they're, All their stuff's great. So yeah. uh, I'm going to do one um, that I think is helpful for people who are working from home. If you're like us, you're doing a lot of Zoom meetings. Um, you need really good Wi-Fi. I've recently got a, a Nest Wi-Fi router. Uh, my Zoom meetings were kind of spotty at times. Josh recommended that I replace my router. So I, I got two Wi-Fi um, Nest routers. And so I have one upstairs and one downstairs. Great connection now. Meetings never putter out, um, never have lost any Zoom calls or any meetings. So recommend if you're at home and, you're, and your Wi-Fi is spotty. I know Right now, it's really hard to have bad Wi-Fi because you don't. Last thing you want to do is be in a call or a meeting or something, and then your Wi-Fi is the one cutting out. So check them out; they're really good, um, very useful, um, and very easy to set up. I'm not very handy, but I was able to set all of mine up. You know, it takes me forever to buy something, so I gave you that recommendation, and I still haven't bought one yet. Yep. <laughs> I've researched it. <laughs> I have my finger on the trigger, but I still haven't bought one, even though I recommended it to you. <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for Honey to give me a discount, Matt. You know, you guys recommend things, I take advantage <laughs> of it, and you guys sit on it, you know? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Retirement Plan Playbook. Please give us a review on wherever you stream your podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or read the show notes, please go to the retirementplanplaybook.com. As always, thank you for listening.
RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from Brochure and 2B Brochure Supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcast. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.